Hello everyone and welcome to Couples Book Club, episode number five, where we read The Psychopath Inside, a neuroscientist's personal journey into the dark side of the brain by James Fallon. I'm Lauren. Reading some Skittles. And that's Isaac, aka Skittles. That's what we call him. My nickname now. <laughs> yep. Beardy Skits. Uh, we're married to each other, also to the job. So, the life of the mind? Yes, all those things. Not, not this version, but... Not all of those are legal arrangements because that's not, um... You can't marry a disembodied brain? Um... I'm married to like three brains in jars right now. Okay, well that's more of a spiritual arrangement. <laughs> that you've seen. Okay, uh, I just use a condom, okay? Like, don't get formaldehyde in your dick. I just don't think that's good. Never mind. God it's damn it. Sorry to, sorry to air all our uncomfortable, <laughs> dirty laundry on the podcast like this, guys, but hot. it's just uh, new revelations all the time. All the time. Oh. Revelation Left behind? Because of the yeah. Mm -hmm. Because of the book of Revelation? Yep. Yeah, so I heard about this book because I heard uh, an interview with James Fallon on um, another podcast, a true crime podcast, and I was intrigued. And so I bought the book, and then we decided that we would read it together. Um, psychopaths are interesting. Um, and so this was one that I wanted to read, but it turns out it was also infuriating uh, because, fun fact, it's not just a book about psychopaths. It's written by a self-described psychopath. Um, one who's somewhat self-aware, but not self-aware enough to subdue his douchebaggery. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so the whole thing that, the story that kind of drew me in and kind of the basis of the book is there's this this guy, James Fallon, he is a neuroscientist and... Um, General man of the world. Yep, man of the world. And he has dabbled in a lot of different areas of neuroscience, but he um, has done projects uh, looking at like brain scans of serial killers and has found um, specific patterns um, and through a, a research it doesn't really matter but basically he saw one of his own brain scans without knowing it was his and was like hey this one's in the wrong place this is one of my my serial killer like murderer scans this person's a psychopath and then they like looked up the code or whatever and he like no dude that one's yours and he was like lol uh but everybody's been telling him for years and years that he's a psychopath and he's like lol i'm great um and then it's pretty much that for like 225 pages yeah then other stuff happens and eventually he admits that he is is, is a, basically at least a borderline psychopath or he describes himself as a pro-social Psychopath. Yeah, he keeps walking back a little bit. He's like, well, I haven't murdered anyone, so I'm not a full psychopath. Right, so he's a psychopath who doesn't want... 
he doesn't have a desire to hurt people. He, I but mean, he, he is. Would. He has the capability. But he for is it. careless and does doesn't really empathize with other humans and um, thinks that he's pretty awesome. And so the book is kind of like there's chunks of it that are basically like what are psychopaths? What's the brain structure? What are the genetic factors that we think that we've isolated or whatever? And then um, what makes some of them violent? What makes some of them not? And then there's, of course, like the kind of memoir element of him sort of trying to come to terms with this about himself. But not really trying very But hard. because he's a psychopath, he also just doesn't give a shit. And it's really... Frust it's like really frustrating. There's like a hundred pages at the end that's just like haters gonna hate where he talks about how awesome he is. Yeah. People don't appreciate his awesomeness and or hold him responsible for stuff that he can't control because he's a psychopath. Yeah, it is a little bit like it's 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 really frustrating because it's just like he's just an asshole, and he knows he's an asshole, and I mean I don't know if he can can care if he's an asshole. But he certainly he, doesn't care that much. Acknowledging the problem is the first step, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> he seems to not be terribly interested in any steps thereafter. So. Yeah. So, yeah, at a certain point I just started writing fuck you next to various things that pissed me off. I feel like I should get a stamp for that. A fuck it you stamp? It comes up a lot in a lot of these books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like profanity fi has figured into a substantial number of my comments. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of really fascinating parts about it and things that I definitely understand kind of like what psychopathy is and isn't, although it is, again, one of those slippery terms. And as a humanities slippery. person, it's like there could have been this could have been a 600 page book about defining like whether that's a real thing and what that means. Um but there's so it's kind not of a mind, a mind comp of the brain, if you will. Oh God. No. Mm, some parts of this were a little comfy for me. A little bit. Not meaning they were like the book, but they were like a struggle. Yep. Uh, excuse me. Hot. Or don't. I don't care. Are you like a burp psychopath? A burpopath? Yep. Psycho burp. Psycho burp. Yeah. So I wrote some shit in the book. Um, and have some kind of general things that were infuriating. And we've talked about them a little bit, but we try to refrain from discussing the book in depth before the podcast. Um, so shallow discussions only. Yeah, so shallow. Kitty pool up in here. Motherfucking kitty pool. <laughs> that sounds adorable. This guy is in his late 60s yeah he's got to be at least that old um i don't i was not paying that close of attention to the dates but i think he's probably close to 70. so he's i mean he's like a baby boomer like on the older end of baby boomer and he's a white dude who is highly educated and has been successful in his career and has been married for like 45 years and has kids and grandkids and they apparently still speak to him um but he definitely in addition to being a psychopath he is definitely coming from a serious place of privilege and um 
that bears out not only in the I think the way that his behavior has been kind of ignored and um, explained away and allowed like he can have a successful career and act the way he does because he's a white dude and he's like well, yeah, he's put in a smart. position generally without consequences yeah like short of directly murdering someone right he's probably pretty good right but also in because he starts to go into some of his own theories about because he until recently he was like hardcore biological determinism and now he's like i guess part of it's nurture because somehow i didn't end up being a serial killer even though all my genetics say that i should be um so i guess because my family like really like took care of me and didn't abuse me that's why i'm not like that but um he to my mind, this is him rationalizing his failed serial killing career. <laughs> like, I feel like this this dude has tried. Or maybe he... He's, like, spitting game at ladies at the bar when he's on, on a way at, like, conferences. I think maybe he's trying to throw us off his These trail. Runs. He's trying to throw us off his trail because he's a psychopath. So he's doing this whole elaborate thing where he's like, Oh, I found out I'm a psychopath, but I don't actually hurt people. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. And he's just, like, killing grad students. A lot of turnover in his lab, suspiciously. Probably because he sexually harassed all the women. Yeah, no, he definitely sexually harassed all the women. Yeah, he claims that he flirts with women all the time, and they like want to get on his dick. But it's like this guy's like uh like a like a fat old dude who's just like gross and awful. I thought I thought that was what women find most attractive. Okay, well here's the thing. He has all he has all these theories about psychopathy and and um genes and stuff and one of the things that jumped out to to me very early was in the prologue okay he has some gender issues shall we say i've got a note from the the prologue as well i think it's in the prologue but okay um so talk talk about the gender thing okay well he just you know again middle-aged white guy and a psychopath Sure. So to him, all people are objects, but in particular, he's from a uh, well society in general and an age group and generation where it's like, yeah, chicks are objects. Yep. Um, and so he makes sweeping claims about like human behavior as someone who doesn't understand human behavior. So, um, but he's not all wrapped up in it, so he can oh, he can take a, a distanced clinical perspective on humanity. Anyway, so he's claiming that some of the science he talks about could possibly help us achieve world peace. On page six, quote, I've hypothesized hypothesized that in areas with chronic violence yeah, from Gaza vote. to East LA. The concentration of genes associated with psychopathy might be increasing as women mate with bad boys for protection and aggressive genes spread, increasing the violence and repeating the loop. Over generations, we end up with warrior societies. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's just like... Go fuck yourself. He just takes... To the degree that there is violence in those areas, which is, you know, a broader conversation completely ignores any sort of like historical cultural context for any right. of this. Right, 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 right. That like, yeah, you know, there there's violence in certain parts of Los Angeles just because those people are like that. And like continue to be like that. Yeah. 
or you know there's violence in uh, you know the Israel-Palestine area because they're just like that, not because you know there's. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of really offensive things contained within that particular uh, 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 statement hypothesis. Do we want to talk about the Africa stuff at this point, or do you want to hold off on that? Well, I just need to say that the idea that women are getting with bad boys for protection. First of all, the idea that women. Get with I, bad boys. I just assumed it was for their rugged good looks. But here's the thing, though. To me, and we have we have, but we have no evidence. We don't have brain scans. We don't have genetic uh, testing that tells us that these people have these so-called warrior genes or whatever. So we have absolutely no evidence for this. Skittles. That's all right. Uh, I'm just pointing out that that's what he's doing. He's eating Skittles. But just the. Like, I'm not even sure that that makes sense. Like, women date, getting with, mate with, first of all, like, we're fucking animals. Well, we are, but we you know are. what I mean. With bad boys for protection, it's like, the thing is, is that you would think that someone who's a bad boy would be more of a risk taker and therefore would die earlier and have less of a chance to like you know get their sperms up in somebody well, so like does that like, even make sense that they are perpetuating more of their genetic material than other like more cautious men well i also feel like if we're going with a stereotypical sort of bad boy here this is someone who's not going to be terribly reliable Right. And in that sense, less appealing, I would think. Like, if right. you want someone who's going to be around to help, you know, provide a stable household and potentially literal, like, physical protection in some situations. If, if, if bro's just, like, ducking out to, you know, go get cigarettes and never coming back, or just, like, shooting pool with his buddies all the time, like, it's not, it's not a stable situation, is what I'm saying. It's just as all this kind of, like, evolutionary psychology, like, pseudoscience bullshit that like tries to make sweeping claims about gender based on like genetics like our interpretation of genetics and yeah so much bullshit this dude probably into eugenics so basically Hitler yeah basically so you know consistent through lines. I mean, posts. I'm just going to add the word allegedly so he doesn't try to sue us. Yeah. Although he would never sue us. You know what he would do? He'd get back at us. He would for years harbor a grudge against us and then get back at us in a way that could never be traced back to him because that's something that he has admitted to doing to people. Well, would, he, would he even trust the, uh, you know, as a libertarian, would he trust the, the federal court system? No, or? God damn it! <laughs> He talks a lot about how he's a libertarian, which makes sense because if you're a libertarian, then you are you're a psycho. A you're a psychopath. psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Ayn <sighs> uh, Rand would be proud. I don't think she'd be proud of other people, though. Ghost, no. Ghost Rand. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. She she lived in like Paul Ryan's closet. She lives in his. Or he just he just like summons. Lives in his spank bank. He summons her from. Allegedly. I don't know what. <laughs> No one listens to this podcast. What am I talking about? What, what would be like an Ayn Rand Horcrux? What, <laughs> what kind of object her her 
curdled soul would be contained in. Oh, man. One of those fake cars. Oh, the Dale? Made of reared in metal. Yeah, the Dale, which we just learned about on a, an episode of The Dollop. Um, yeah, just any, like, dog-eared copy of the fountainhead found in a, a college dorm room. Possibly uh, that might, um, you know, yield results under a black light. <laughs> oh, my God. That part in here. So James Fallon is, like, big-time libertaire. Totally blues. Yep. Excuse me. <laughs> and he... So, but, and so is his wife, I guess. I feel like she's a libertarian by proxy. Yeah. It's like Munchausen, but with, like, <laughs> She's like, I'm going to let the free market work it out, but not for me, only for my children. Um, the, the, the invisible hand. Uh, hand is so invisible, oh, yeah. but firm. Gentle when it needs to be. <laughs> Just like libertarian porn. I don't know, but I was looking. I was looking Isaac in the eye while I said it. So <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not into it. I'm just trying to clarify what's happening. But at one point, his wife is like, "Hey, if we're libertarians, then how can you justify taking federal uh, grants for your research? Because that's not something that we believe the government should be involved in." And he's like, "Oh, you're right." But then eventually, it was like, "We're not making enough money uh, on our." Like, we can't get enough money for our research or whatever. Um, he also owns some, like, businesses. Well, he just needs to produce research that's commercially viable. Right. Let the market take care exactly. of it. Exactly. Ah. But so then eventually he decides that, yeah, they're not making enough money or whatever, so he can justify taking federal grants as long as he, his is not, he is just like a co-author on the papers. He's not the, the first name on the on the research or whatever. So, uh, some moral ethical gymnastics there. Well, that's what you do when you're a psychopath. You make up your own. Some gymnast. Well, so since we brought up the problematic uh, Gaza East LA thing, so much problematism. There are a couple things about his uh, his African forays that I thought were worth oh, noting. Oh God, yeah. I don't remember if this was the first one or not. I think it's the first one. He's on some sort of trip to Kenya for a research trip. But there's a, this anecdote that he tells where he brings his fucking golf clubs on his research trip, because of course he does. Yeah. And then he uh, is t trying to, like, teach the locals how to play golf. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, you know, gets in there, cranks out a few drives, and then talks about these other, um, like, prominent tribesmen in the village, whatever. And they step up, and the first time they whiff, and then the second time they hit, you know, serviceable drives. And it's supposed to be a thing about mirror neurons mm -hmm. that he's talking about, but to me there's also this undercurrent of, like, those people are, like, innate athletes. Maybe this is me overreading that passage, but... I'm not sure I got that specific impression, but, but it's, it's sir, I was like, certainly uncomfortable with the anecdote. Well, and it's like the white man bringing civilization, because he talks about, like, the next time he came back, they had made a little golf course there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly he's just, like, enlightening them. No, he enlightened to, like, the shit out of them. the bougiest, like... Well, is golf the most colonial sport? I guess cricket would no, be the most No, it's not the sport. most colonial sport, but it is Something the sport of, of uh, lazy white men who like to drink a lot. Also, this guy drinks hard. Yeah. Well, it's respectable on one level, but on others, not so much. Yeah. He... Excuse me. And maybe he's skipping ahead, but... 
after this period of self-discovery, when she discovers all this stuff about his family history, he has murderers in his family tree. He's got... He had a full genetic makeup, and he has all these genetic markers that are... Uh, that correlate with um, aggression. Um, and then, of course, he's got the brain scan of a psychopathic killer. Exactly. And... Uh, oh, and he also gets diagnosed as uh, having bipolar disorder and um, he starts to kind of realize like how he's been fucking living his life for like 65 years or whatever and um, it's not that he feels bad because he doesn't and he says he really doesn't care he can't care even if he wanted to I don't really know but he doesn't care he doesn't literally feel guilty but he cares about the people who care about him because they make him happy and so he is trying to behave better because them being happy makes him happier basically just self-serving right so he like so so he like stops drinking and he starts like you know showing up to his grandkids stuff instead of like, or like going to parties and not blowing off funerals or whatever the case. Oh be. God! And it's like, are we supposed to like have some kind of admiration for you? Because now, when you're nearing seventy, you finally fucking slowed down, and you're like, oh, I guess. You got like a vaguely serviceable human being now, seven yeah. decades in. Yeah, I don't know. But also, he hates exercise. We know that, so he it's would like, like golf. Full, full on and you can get drunk while you do it. He just has a, a, a limited amount of vital life energy. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Purity mm-hmm. of essence, if you will. No, that's not true because he has some. He has hypomania, uh, so he like is going hard a lot of the time. It's like an energizer bunny. Yeah. Douchiness. But that's when he gains a bunch of weight because he's like binging on everything. So wait, so the second part of that African thing, mm-hmm. we need to talk about the thing with his brother. Oh my god. Which is super messed up. This is part of, was it, it's part of a larger context about how he like puts people in dangerous situations. Right. Yeah. He enjoys, because he has trouble getting, uh, because he has trouble connecting to other people, he, th- I mean, these are kind of his excuses, but that... He is a risk taker and a thrill seeker in part because he gets his buzz from that and not from human relationships. In li- I mean, obviously he gets a buzz from like being liked and wanted and all that, but it's not so a connection. Endangering others is an anti-drug? Right. So he, yeah, he just like has all these hijinks that he thinks are super fun and he doesn't he wants other people to do it with him because it's more fun that way and he probably does and he claims he doesn't want people to get hurt but he just doesn't really care if they do yeah he's indifferent to their causing harm to others yeah so he he like i wouldn't fucking be surprised if he like drove drunk with his kids in the car and stuff he's never admitted to that but it seems like a thing he would have done yeah, would and would have thought it was like super fun and awesome and been like, I'm such a good driver when I'm drunk. It's probably a better driver. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real person and I'm afraid of him because he's a psychopath. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like, you know. He's, he's never going to hear this, but. Season desist, maybe. 
is what would come out of this. <laughs> anyway, so the, so the the second Africa anecdote. Um, it's been a little while since I read this, so you may need to correct me. I think he was in Uganda doing some kind of research for a while. Yeah, but this is this is during the period when uh, there had been at least like a limited Ebola outbreak in the area. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, and so like he and when he's there, he sort of finds out the specifics of this and where um, at least one person who was sort of the I don't know like the patient zero of the outbreak, kind of right. Yeah, I don't know if it was Ebola or something really serious like Ebola. Yeah, something, something. A oh, really was, scary disease. Was it Marburg? Maybe I'm not sure where that I was. Think, I think it's a hemorrhagic way. fever of some sort. It was. It's, it's something Ebola. horrible that yeah. no one wants. And so he knows. They they figure out where this guy was, where he had been previous to when he like reappeared in the village, carrying this this virus or whatever the illness was, uh, and then. He calls his brother in, so they're gonna go on this trip out into the into like wilderness or into the outback. Well, they want to go see the cave where the elephants like scrape the cave walls and then lick it because it has m minerals that they Salt need. Salt and stuff in it, yeah. which sounds cool. Yeah, uh, and so well, and then there's also that like ridiculous part in that sequence where they're like camping out at night and there are all these wild animals around them, and so they just like fight them off with fire. Mm-hmm. Which, to my mind, is like, just like getting get in the truck. Like, don't they have a Range Rover that they're in? I don't fucking like, know, get man. in it. Also, like, he, like, talks about how, like, they're jockeying to get closer to the fire than the other one. It's like, I think you were jockeying to get closer to the fire than your brother because you're a dick. Yeah. But anyway, he, he brings his brother in on this thing, and uh, they go on this uh, sort of trip to go visit these caves in a way that's, you know, increasingly dangerous and just generally kind of reckless. But, like, does not tell his brother until after the fact that they were in the exact campsite and the very caves where this guy was when he contracted whatever mm -hmm. it was that he had. Mm -hmm. And so, like, doesn't tell his brother about it. D does he ever tell no, his brother? No, he never brother told his brother. His brother finds out. Yeah. That, yeah. Eventually finds out. Like, that, a couple like, years later or something. Psychopath bro just, like, pretty directly and deliberately, like, endangered his life for his own amusement, essentially. I mean, I don't even know if he, like, he wanted to, he'd wanted to go to these caves for a while, and he's, his brother came to visit him, and so he was taking him on this trip. So I don't know that he was, he knew that his brother would probably not want to go if he knew about that, it, but it was already going to be a dangerous trip because of all the wild animals. Well, I guess deliberate might not be the, the best word. So I don't think he careless. wanted... I don't careless, because he would have been just as at risk to get the disease also, but he decided it was worth the risk. And, yeah, just didn't give his brother the information he needed to make an informed choice about whether or not to go on this trip. But you know, everyone survived, so it was totally cool. Yeah, it was totally fine. It's a great story. You can all look back on it and laugh. LOL, OMG. But that was another one, and again, this could be me over-reading it, but like the, the handful of times where we actually get stories or anecdotes about Africa, it's either teaching sports to, uh, you know, unenlightened uh, natives, or this is a place where you get weird diseases, and there are wild animals. <laughs> so this is like our thumbnail of Africa. 
Yeah. It's totally on some, like, Heart of Darkness, like, Dark Continent bullshit. Well, and I do wonder if that is something, if that's just a, a him thing, again, a, like, generational demographic thing, or if it's, like, a, if you're a psychopath, are you more likely to consider, like, certain groups of people, like, less than you or whatever? Or it's just everyone's less than you. Well, I feel like this is sort of the... Maybe it's this this perfect storm of his, like, psychopathy and also someone who's, like, a genetic determinist. Because mm. I feel like there's definitely... It's a slippery slope into, like, eugenic bullshit. Where it's, like, people are, are, are greater or hardier or lesser or weaker genetic material. And so, like, he's not making, directly making any sweeping ra racial proclamations, but there is, like, a chorus of dog whistles happening throughout this entire thing. Yeah, definitely a lot of uncomfortable, uncomfortable things. So, so that's a fun part. It's super fun. Really enjoyed that. So, so at the beginning, when he's talking about, uh, when he's reflecting on his sort of childhood and young adulthood, talking about like when he was a little kid and frames this in terms of them doing like pranks and being pranksters oh, mm -hmm. and he's talking about he and his friends like building pipe bombs and like shooting animals with guns mm -hmm. and then um, it eventually sort of escalates into like you know breaking and entering and like stealing cars and stuff and lit literally in one of his explanations uses the term boys will be boys to describe Ugh. this Back in the day, kids could have harmless fun like this, and mm -hmm. now, you know, people would overreact when someone breaks into their house or steals their car. Right. Back in the day, people understood that, you know, it's just, just kids, it's kids having fun. Don't worry about it. Well, he does talk about later on. I actually just have my hand on this. I'm on a 104. He's like, as a scientist, I'm for genetic testing at birth to determine which kids will be vulnerable to stress, even though as a libertarian, I'm against it. And then he starts talking about how if you have ideas about which kids, so people who have some of the kind of same genetic uh, risk factors that he does or whatever, like abuse and other kinds of stress can lead them to be more likely to be aggressive or violent or whatever. And he says like, you know, if we did this testing which clearly he is torn about. Um, we'll know which kids we can allow to roam around and get into fights and which need extra protection. Like, which kids should be roaming around getting into fights? I don't think any of them should be getting into fights. Put hair on your chest, man. Come on now. Conflict and learning how to manage conflict and, and stuff is... That's an important part of growing up, but, like... He's got this very much, like, old man idea that, like, yeah, boys should just go out and beat the shit out of each other, and, uh, you know, it's a great way to get, you know, let off some steam. Also, chicks dig it. Oh. Well, we're all looking for a bad boy to protect us. That was me. Uh, mean Streets of Vancouver, Washington, just looking for my bad boy. And then I found all the gay Mormon boys. Had to go all the way to Ohio to find a true bad boy. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. That's one of the main ways I would describe you. The main streets of Perrysburg, yo. I, I do appreciate how he's sort of like 
torn about letting the big government get all up in his genome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do think it was interesting because, of course, he talks a lot about the structure of the brain and its development, saying that, like, you know, it's not until you're, like, into your 20s that your brain, like, starts to kind of, like, coalesce into its, its you know, most perfect form, really. Uh, the platonic ideal of the brain. Of the brain. But, like, it, it, it you know, stops, it, yeah, stops developing or whatever. And he, um, yeah, because the prefrontal cortex is not done developing. And so he thinks it's insane that 18-year-olds um, are allowed to go to war because their prefrontal cortexes are not cortices. Cortices. cortices are not done developing, um, but even like somebody like a few years older is going to have a much more stable brain and you would have a better idea of whether or not they um, are prone to various uh, psychological disorders that tend to have an onset in the late teens and early 20s. Um, so on 101 he says, if we're going to have a war, we shouldn't yep. let... Which I ones like constant war. We shouldn't let soldiers fight until they're 22 or 23. Um, because uh, at least at that age, they're not as... Their frontal lobes are, are closer to being done developing or whatever. Um, which I think is... There's something to that. I think it's, which I think, yeah, I think is really interesting. Yeah. But again, an 18-year-old is also not a child. I mean, now that I'm old and in my 30s, I'm like, yeah, an 18 year old's a fucking baby. They are. But also, but when I was 18, like dragging around there and build a cool I was like, yeah, I'm old as shit now. I'm gonna drive my job at the pizza place. We'll see, and then in those like four or five years in between, they can just have like casual fist fights. Just right, just fight clubs. Just to get you know honed. So pre-war fight clubs is what we need, really. But also, if you wait till everybody's pre uh, <laughs> prefrontal cortex is done developing, would they even sign up to be in the military? Number would numbers go down? Mm. Well, this no, I mean, this fight, is a question. This is a question. Fight clubs are cool, though. Oh well, yeah. If you have the fight club, that they get into the fight club. It's like it's like ROTC, but for psychopaths. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so that's the kind of the, the program where you're training them. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Ask the mil military not to bomb our house. Yeah. Hey, did you know that I'm drinking energy booze right now? And that's why I'm kind of talking fast. I'm uh, rolling hard on Skittles and, uh, and uh, Arizona Arnold Palmer right now. So. Guys, we went and saw a horror movie tonight. And we also stopped at Big Lots earlier and bought all the snacks. So... Yeah, no, I think I think the, the war thing is an interesting point to a certain degree, but it's also sort of like premised on the idea like, yeah, we're going to have wars. We should just hold off for a minute. But he also has this plan at the beginning that like, oh, well, if we understand this stuff, we'll just have world peace and it'll be totally cool. Right. But, and you know, which, which is predicated on girls stop fucking bad boys? Yep. Question mark? Except he totally a thinks of himself as a bad boy. Oh he yeah, he's totally to a fuck him constantly. He's totally a fucking like bad boy. Can I can I make a can I point to a small uh, moment of this? Yes. That stuck, stuck out to me as being 
pretty insane. He's um, good. Oh, so he's talking about. Are you um, gonna sing it? Can you fight like psychopathic tendencies? What you can do to sort of neutralize that or control it or whatever. I'll continue to ignore the most basic rules of proper social conduct and anything a government or church control freak decides is good for us. Mm -hmm. And then he continues in the next paragraph. When I see a sign directing me to park somewhere proper and legal, whether for a restaurant or sports event, I'll continue to ignore the rules, knowing that the sign is there to serve whoever put up the sign and not the rest of us. You're, you're like a hardcore teenager rebel because you're parking somewhere that the sign doesn't tell you to do. Sticking it to the man by parking the outside rules, of the designated area. The rules aren't for us. The rules are for the man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's the whole, like, narcissistic kind of part of psychopathy that's you think that you're special nothing applies to you you're smarter and better than everyone else so like yeah he's the only one who's hip to the game mm-hmm and all the I feel like he is a guy who on a fairly regular basis works the word sheeple into daily conversation well he's a libertarian so it's legally required that he's he used that word I, I imagine him as like kind of like the like the Paul Rudd of neuroscience. Paul Rudd, hello. Only in a like sullen teen, what have American summer kind oh, of. Oh, okay. That was like okay, because Paul Rudd is hot AF. Agreed. Agreed. There's a lot of brain um, diagrams in here that I ignored. Yeah, I think you're supposed to. I have a couple things that are actually about brains that I wanted to, that I thought were interesting. Um, so he, when he's talking about this, the structure of the brain and, and whatnot, um, he talks a lot about the difference between cold or rational cognition um, and hot emotional cognition mm -hmm. um, and shows his own brain scans, which basically like the upper the top part of his brain, like the helmet of his brain, is like real on fire because that's where cold cognition happens. And then like other parts of it are where like the emotional parts are. Um, but he also talks about like empathy and theory of mind. Mm -hmm. um, so theory of mind is like when you as a person understand that other people have like thoughts and feelings and desires and motivations the way in the same way that you do and they may differ from yours um and that they you know are complex beings or whatever um which is not quite not the same thing as empathy empathy which is like being able to put yourself in their position yeah and like feel that well, yeah, theory of mind to me is like the raw material, and empathy is like doing something with it or reacting to it. Right. Um, and then he starts, so he's talking about people with um, psychopathic tendencies or brain structures, and also he's comparing that to like um, people with autism, which are not the same thing. That's But he says on 55, uh, people with autism lack theory of mind, so they maybe don't completely and obviously this is going to be that's a spectrum but some people with autism lack theory of mind so they can't actually like they don't actually understand that other people are are 
their brains work in the same way that theirs does, but mm-hmm. they don't act, but they do can have empathy. Yeah. Well, people with psychopathy lack empathy, but not theory of mind, which is part of why psychopaths are dangerous is because they understand other people's like complex emotions and motivations. Right, so they can manipulate them, but they don't give a shit about how those people feel, and they can't actually put themselves in those in their position. Yeah, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I feel that is interesting. I guess I've never seen it laid out in those terms before. I mean, I think those sort of general principles are things that are discussed, but calling it theory of mind and sort of explaining it in that way and making that autism comparison is sort of interesting. Yeah. So points for that. Yeah, no, he does make some interesting points about the brain and about psychopathy. I tripped up on the, like, personal anecdotes part of it. Although those were the more... They're both engaging and infuriating. Right. Like, I, I... I read it, but I skimmed the neuroscience stuff mm-hmm. a decent bit just because it gets kind of jargony and yeah, um, not particularly interesting at points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he also later on, so he's talking about brain de- development and humans. Um, he talks about the fourth trimester, so about how you know humans aren't really fully cooked when they come out. That's when they crawl back in, right? Right. It's like, it's like you set the timer for like the upper, you know, the pizza says it takes like 25 minutes, mm-hmm. and you take it out for a minute, and you're like, no, that cheese in the middle isn't melted yet. Mm-hmm. Yep, gotta put it back Just in. Put it back in for a minute. It's basically it's that. But then you're in that like danger zone, like do I put it in too far, and then it starts getting like a little bit singed around the edges, <laughs> or it gets that little burning part. Yeah. That's, that's what Loggins was singing about. The danger zone? Yeah, that, that, that very careful moment of pizza cooking. Wow. It really is, is the kind of make or break for the deliciousness of the pizza. Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting argument. Possibly that's a sidebar, but... Eh. Pizza's never a sidebar. It's true. It's a front and center bar. Oh, okay, so he talks about brain damage and psychopathy and brain development and children and because it might not just be genetic factors that lead to um, the kind of disparity of brain activity that we were that I was talking about, like cold, too much cold cognition, not enough of the parts of the brain that can feel empathy, and um, yeah, like a head injury can can fuck you up, and especially if you already have like um, these like so-called warrior genes that make you more aggressive or whatever, like that could be kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, well, wasn't this sort of, to a certain degree, because he makes reference to Ted Bundy in here as well, but mm-hmm. wasn't that part of the argument in the end rule thing, and maybe even this was Bundy sort of reflecting on his own situation towards the end, is that you can be have like a genetic, or in this case sort of like neurological predisposition mm-hmm. toward these things, but it takes some kind of outside trigger to fully realize it. So if it's this childhood trauma or so like a literal sort of brain trauma or something mm-hmm. like that, finally kind of flips the switch in that way to make you a full psychopath versus, you know, maybe someone like him who's like a, like a pro-social psychopath who just never really had that kind of like originary trauma mm-hmm. to put him over the edge. Yeah. What he does uh, on 91, I marked out that um, he 
is talking about DNA and psychopaths and blah 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 um, and abuse um, and how almost all of the psychopathic killers that he has studied have had a history of abuse and he said there were cases this is on 91 there were cases where the murderer denied early abuse but many people will deny such abuse only for it to be discovered later that they were either too embarrassed to admit it or they were protecting the abusing adult typically a family member which is kind of exactly what we talked about with the ted bundy situation where his grandfather was an established abuser but ted denied that basically. I was too young to see it or I feel like was aware of it but maybe because of his own even sort of like budding mindset at that point didn't see him that way. Right. Um, yeah so that's or, exactly or what I thought the, of. the one person that his grandpa liked. Sure. Maybe because he thought of him as kind of malleable or also a psychopath like him potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, oh, what I was talking about before was on 98 when he was talking about brain damage. Damage to the brain also shapes psychopathology in different ways depending on when it occurs. So if you're like a toddler and it happens, um, you have damage to the orbital cortex, which is involved in ethics and morality, you might never develop a sense of right and wrong. Um, if you're around eight when it happens, um, other parts of your brain may have picked up some of that. So maybe you wouldn't be able to stop yourself from committing wrong um, because the orbital cortex also involves inhibition, but you would know that you were doing the wrong thing. And then if later you got it done, if you had brain damage to that part as a teenager or adult, you would know right for wrong. Um, and other areas of the brain involved in inhibition will be mature enough to help control impulsivity um, but under stress, you could be pushed over the edge. So, like, depending on what kind of brain damage and, and, and where your brain is in its development when it happens, um, you're more or less at a risk for psychopathy or, or different types of acting out. Um, yeah, I think that stuff is pretty fascinating. Protect your heads, especially on the little ones, if you don't want them to murder people. And if you do, I mean, go for it, I guess. I feel like there's probably someone out there who like wants to cultivate a, a, a psychopathic. A job. psychopath would want to. I was just thinking of that uh, that Unabomber episode we watched recently mm -hmm. with the like horrible Dr. Murray dude who just ruins Kaczynski's life and like others like him. Oh stupid, like, yeah, the stuff. Unabomber uh, miniseries that's on like Discovery Which right is now amazing. is really good. If you're into that shit. I, I could see that dude as being a psychopath. Uh, the 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 psychologist doing the uh, experiments just because he like sort of pretends to care about Ted, but only to the point where he's useful to him. Right. And has no problem with like totally destroying this dude psychologically. Well, and it seems like because again, Ted didn't come from an abusive home, that he may have had a lot of these this different kind of brain functioning or these genetic factors already and certain things triggered him to eventually like decide to to act out violently well i mean the most recent one where he saw his like seeming overreaction to his like childhood friend getting a girlfriend and then his brother like 
marrying someone. Right, or when that woman at the... Because he was working for his brother and that girl, like, rejected him or whatever. And he, like... Hangs all those, like, limericks all over the... Yeah, like, obscene limericks all over the factory or whatever. As revenge. But again, he was, like, 16 when that experiment at Harvard happened. Yeah, which is messed up. If you don't know what we're talking about, you should look it up because it's super fucked up. Yeah, well, look up look up MK Ultra in general. That will give you an idea of the larger yeah. project. And if you want to do more specific reading, that Harvard the Unabomber book is fantastic. Yeah. Because it talks, like, specifically about that period and, like, how just messed up all that stuff is. Shock Doctrine has a good chapter or two on that, too. More of the, more yeah. the Canadian side Yeah, the, it, I remember the Canadian stuff, yeah. Sort of psychological experiments in general. Of just like trying to like break down and reprogram people. I'm not gonna. Well, st- I'm not gonna stop the recording while I make another drink. I've got, I've got all kind of messages I want to put out here to the people, so you know. Okay. Yeah. It's my chance to just 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 Power rap. To the people. Just rap with the the hoi polloi, if you will. <laughs> See. If there's anything the hoi polloi likes, first of all, it's being called that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The hoiest of the polloi. <laughs> Another thing, I this was just a minor thing that came up, but that just like really annoyed the crap out of me, and is a sign of his like delusion of grandeur moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one point where he is. I need to look at the exact context because I feel like that would be sort of helpful for it. But he's talking about basically how awesome he is, which consumes a, a fairly substantial he's part so of the book. Fun. But um, here he is. Oh, this is this is part of him uh, talking about. Um, being on Criminal Minds, mm. and then taking a story for of his for Criminal Minds. Um, the TV show. Yeah. So he, he, he's talking about being on there uh, and how he's, uh, he says, I'm not an actor, but cameras don't bother me. I remember seeing myself in the lens and thinking, I own you. I mean, I was in control of my performance, and so I own the camera and the shooting and the audience. And so he, he, he admits this is narcissism. Right. Okay. But then he, he gives another anecdote about how one time in 1978, I started lecturing about the kidney and didn't stop for four hours. At the end, I got a standing ovation. Like, who is he talking to that A, will sit there through a four-hour kidney lecture? I don't fucking and know. And second of all, will give him, like, a standing ovation at the end. I feel like this is a dude who has watched Dead Poets Society a lot. <laughs> and, like, this retroactively guided his decision to be a teacher. Oh, Captain, my fucking captain. Like, he quantum leaped, like, into the future where that film already existed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then left back into his appropriate timeline, mm-hmm. so he could use that as motivation to become a teacher. He could not be a quantum leaper because no one is more moral than Sam Beckett. That's true. Time traveler. It's true. <laughs> um, anyway, I, th- I thought that was, like, a particularly obnoxious anecdote that he put in there. Which is also possibly false. Probably false. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he found a unique crowd that is that especially w- into four-hour lectures. About I know. I'd be like, I gotta go, bitch. In the chapter Love and Other Abstractions, that is particularly revealing. And he kind of talks about his relationship with his wife and his family and just other humans. Yeah. And kind of like... Comes to the con- that he's not really capable of loving someone, but he, his wife's 
like kind of devotion to him is useful. Yeah, it's. I don't want to say just that it's useful to him. It is useful to him. If there, if he can love someone, that he loves his wife. But there's also this weird vibe to it where it's like a, like a, like a, like bless her heart kind of thing. Right. Where it's like this is this is someone who's a lover functioning than me, but she seems to really care about me. So you know, that's nice. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I guess maybe I should show up for her now in our life. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Hmm? Remember how she got lymphoma? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then he's, like, basically trying to cheat on her, just, like, casually. He's... he's I think it was a few years later, but it was... It was all happened in the 90s. He took care of her when she had lymphoma. And, like, was like, yeah, everyone's gonna think I'm such an awesome husband. And then, like starts a series of serious flirtations that almost ruin his marriage. I'd call it, I'd call it like a half Gingrich. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a half Nelson. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um. he's a dick. Although, okay, so this kind of leads me into some of the stuff about... So just basically how he deals with other humans. So in 158, he thinks... Uh, he says that friends think he's disloyal because he doesn't stick by them through thick and thin, but I think I'm just fair. So he says he treats everyone the same, friends or strangers or whatever. But then the next very next page, he talks about seeing uh, his friends and brothers and other male family members got into trouble all the time by fighting, which like, why is there so much fucking fighting? Word, Jean, bro. And they never ended up getting what they wanted. To me, they were adults, inelegant, boorish. Quote, it's more fun to manipulate people without violence. So he just thinks, he thinks things like violence and outright lying rather than like exaggerations or leaving things out. Like he thinks that's for like, lo he literally says at one point that those are for losers. Like so. it's way better to get your way through, like, sly manipulation. Jihad of the mind, bro. <laughs> uh, and then, 160, 161, he's talking about more about manipulation so he can pretend to be empathetic. He's a good listener. He gets a... He literally says he gets a buzz when people open up to him, and sometimes he uses that information to against well, yeah, them. Yeah, he gets raw material that he can tuck away for yeah. later revenge purposes. And he might not use it, but he likes having it and then that also makes him like a good per a good networking person because he has he doesn't have to blackmail people but he has information on people he knows what they might want or need so mm -hmm. he can offer that to them and then later on they owe him a favor um and so that's like a connection that he has and so uh because he's a good operator in that way he's been successful on 161, I'm just going to read a little passage to you. Please do. Maybe some guys will need to pick up a woman and take her home, but if some chick just says, do you want to do it now? That's enough for me. The sex has nothing to do with it. I'm a terrible flirt, and Diane knows this because she knows how women respond to me. Women of all ages will surround me, and I'll listen to them. I know the games. Their boyfriends and husbands don't listen to them, so I do. 
He doesn't use it to, like, rape and murder them, but it's still gross. And also, the games, it's not a game to listen to someone and treat them like a human being. Well, for him it is, clearly, but... Well, yeah, it is for him, but, like, for real people, it's not a game. And fuck you. And also, fuck you. Allegedly. He's on some, like... (laughs) Like some, some uh, Prince of Persuasion shit. He has, defi- he has definitely cornered his princess First, many times. Corner your princess. Again, allegedly. Mm-hmm. This dude has probably had like numerous sexual harassment charges against him. Mm-hmm. Which were handled out- outside of traditional channels. Yeah. Or quietly. Right, because he he's a he's a star, a man of means, and also yeah brings in he, research money. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's that's just basically like I'm so awesome I can like get with any chick because I I just pretend I care about them and listen to them. And, and also, like, at what point has anyone in a conversation ever said, "Do you want to do it now"? That that to me no is just one. like really like unnatural phrasing. No, uh, during my brief stage of promiscuity, I would just, like, invite a dude to come home and watch Fly to the Concords with me, and that wasn't... I, th- I think we all know what that means. Yep. It's like Concords and chill. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a random aside on 188, he says something that, uh, it would be no surprise if I saw myself as more likable than I really was, and I think a lot of those interactions with women are probably reflecting that. Yeah. Yeah, where he thought, oh man, I am nailing this, and this is like, uh, well, the, the, you know, my favorite murder immediate no-no of, like, being polite. Right, right, because he's a man, and he might be, um, you know, he's kind of a star in the field, he might have, uh, social capital. You want to have on your side, potentially. Mm -hmm. He could be in charge of research money or getting you into, you know, a study that you want or whatever. God, how many, how many grad students has he banged? So many. He doesn't, allegedly. Allegedly. He doesn't need to bang him, though. He just needs them to want to bang him. Yep. And then he, then he ghosts him. Exactly. Oh, James, James, I can see you. You're right over there. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, fuck you. I think this is when he's talking about uh, sort of things he did shortly after college when he's sort of like finding his way into what he's going to do with his life because he makes a big deal about like having the Teamster union card and all this other garbage. One of the things he does after, uh, so he has no grad school plans and no uh, jobs, he starts doing construction and trucking jobs carpentry, mowing lawns, bartending. But then he talks about uh, getting a job uh, teaching in an all-girls Catholic school. Uh. And I'll just I'll just use the, um, the quote here. I was able to find a teaching job in an all-girls Catholic high school and, as the only male on campus, thoroughly enjoyed teaching these young women. So gross. Yeah. He thoroughly enjoyed school, so. school girl uniforms and the fantasies thereof. So gross. Yeah. And that's definitely one of those ones where, like, he probably thought he was, like, the slick, you know, young teacher that all the girls liked. And well, and some of them probably did have crushes on him. Well, and just sure he encouraged it. 
Because yeah. he's a psychopath, so he'd be like, yeah. Even if he never fucked any of them, like, he, he encouraged well, their crushes, he, I'm he sure. He would be the dude who's, like, trying to be, like, real with the kids. Like, he doesn't have Turns that, the like, chair around. Teacher, student. He's just rapping with them. He's like, let's rap. Real talk. But he just, like, doesn't have that, like, sort of teacher-student distance kind of thing. Right. Like, he just makes... Knows personal details of their lives and makes just like inappropriate comments pretty regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was that excited about that. Is, yeah, that is was gross. Troubling. Yeah, I would say troubling is correct. So is that one? The other thing I wanted to mention, which we sort of I guess indirectly touched on, some of the libertarian stuff. Um, when he talks about welfare later. Um. Is this on page one sixty four? Correct. Okay, because that's one of the ones I wanted to talk right, about. Let's do that. What's interesting is that he was raised in a a Catholic family, but they weren't super religious. But upon about puberty, he kind of developed these um, like OCD behaviors that have to do with religion, which is really interesting. And he later tries to get he later gets into this thing where he talks about how he probably had abnormal brain development. And then later he had panic attacks for years, and then eventually is diagnosed with bipolar disorder, or at least casually diagnosed with it. Yeah. Because he's not treating it because he likes the hypomania. But anyway, in his early 20s, he decides he doesn't believe in God anymore, and he chooses to become a libertarian. I like that he also wants to do, like, an exit confession. Like his, like, post-Catholic exit interview. No! <laughs> Which is kind of, kind of awesome, conceptually. Listen, here's the thing about God. Not there. Yeah. But the priest is like, yeah, that's cool. You're kind of driving yourself nuts with this, like, religious OCD thing, so. Yeah, so maybe you should just, like. Back. Yeah, probably for the best. Should I just, I'm just going to read this on 164. Read. I wrote, fuck you, next to this paragraph. Um, As a libertarian, I would prefer many situations where some people die. So he's like Stalin. I don't feel responsible for individuals dying as part of a broader cause, and I don't think we should spend every dime we have to save one child. Such coddling, which I underlined, will end up destroying the human race, and who adjudicates who gets coddled? I look at the distant horizon, how things will play out in a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years. If one person croaks tomorrow for the sake of society, it's too bad, but I don't care. I wouldn't let a kid starve right in front of me. I'm not a monster. But if I ran the government, I would cut out all welfare. I haven't heard a lot of libertarians admit to these views, but if pressed, I'm sure many would agree. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> just like like yeah, that's that's some like hardcore utilitarian mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Which is, is always interesting as like a thought project, like a thought experiment. Thought experiment, yeah. Um, God, why are you so drunk on Arnold Palmer like, right now? I'm just high on life after reading this book. Also, Skittles. Yeah, mostly Skittles. Um, yeah, interesting as a thought experiment in like an ethics class when you're like a freshman, but then you grow up and are an adult. Right. Think about it differently. Right, 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 right. This is just like classic, like, oh, well, you gotta 
break a few eggs to make an omelet. The one kinda. versus the many. But yeah, that's, that's like this same logic where it's like, well, you know, stuff's going to be better in the future, so if we have to kill, you know, 10 million people to get to that point, oh well. But here's the thing. He thinks he's awesome and he's special, so he would never be one of those people. No. And that's the whole empathy thing. Well, that makes me think of the... I feel like it's an apocryphal quote. I don't know if it's an actual quote, but the Stalin quote is like, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. Yeah. Or something like that. So he's clearly thinking of people in numbers. Because he's yeah. not going to let someone starve to death in front of him. Right. Because then he would have to at least indirectly confront someone's humanity. Right. But if it's happening somewhere else to someone else, he doesn't care. Even if it was one of his family members, he probably wouldn't care all that much. Yeah. Well, he cared that his wife was going to be upset and that would make his life inconvenient. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, in, in that way, but not in like a like standard human right. kind of way would he care about it. Which is weird because like some of these thoughts are like kind of the worst tendencies of humanity that all of us possess. Like, I, in theory, don't want any children to suffer at all. But, again, a child in front of me is, a, you know, a lot more moving than, like, hypothetical children thousands of miles away. I don't want them to get hurt, but some people matter more than others on a, like, practical day-to-day -day basis. You have well, to yeah, make decisions. It's, it's less immediate to you, and also, like, there's... A, a, a it's not that I think that their lives matter more. It's just, like, I don't... I can't help everyone. Well, and on some tendency, on some level, I think there's just a tendency to like auto sympathize with people who are more like you. Right. So blonde, blue-eyed children are more important than others. So you're pro Aryan. Because that's what I look like. If you don't know what I look like, not because I'm an actual Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. He kind of does this thing right at the end. Why do psychopaths exist? And like, what do they contribute to society? It's like. Not much. Um, that's not his conclusion. He says he doesn't think that we should remove the psychopathy-related traits and genes from society. Quote, it would lead to passivity and wipe us out. And he just talks about people being... People who aren't full-blown psychopaths, but are, are high on the spectrum. People with the chutzpah and brio and outrageousness to keep humanity vibrant and adaptable and alive people like me and I fuck you in all caps because a lot of us are those things and are not psychopaths so also continue to fuck you allegedly well and also like to keep society vibrant right sure what his definition of vibrance is here it sounds like basically just him being a dick for his own amusement seriously which you know I guess is vibrant for him, not really for the rest of us. It's like, oh, all those squares who park in the regular parking spots. Look at me. I'm I'm a unique snowflake. I do things differently. Isn't that cool? No. And also no. What Pretty a much. Fuck face. Yeah. Seriously. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, I asked Facebook friends for any questions about psychopaths. Now that we're experts, that we've read the psychopath book written by a psychopath, I offered to diagnose people. Uh, Carolyn asked, how psychopathic is it to sit on my couch all day watching Netflix getting stoned? That's not psycho. That's not psychopathy. I think that's just depression. Yeah. That's not. I don't. I don't think. She, I don't think you lack empathy for other humans. Um, yeah, I just think you're maybe a little bit uh, bored and depressed. 
Well, yeah, I think psychopathy comes with a certain amount of like action. So like the hypomania part. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. It's not a. a well, sick. that's part of his bipolar disorder, well, but still, it's usually it's, there's a comorbidity. So psychopathy doesn't strike me as like a sedentary pursuit. Right. Like you're out there doing it, taking it to the people. You're a psychopath. Psychopaths are never crippled with self doubt. Um, so taking it to the streets is about. Taking it to the no, streets. No, there's no way Michael McDonald's is psychopath. No, no, his uh, voice is too smooth. A man with a voice that melodious. <laughs> his beard just oozes, you know, empathy. Yep. Really. Yep. You thought it was beard wax. It's not. It's empathy. Keeps it no. shiny, lustrous. Have you ever heard the timeless classic, I Keep Forgetting? <laughs> or, excuse me, forgetting. Yeah. Uh, more, more empathetic words have never been spoken. I believe or sung. I believe we've sung that together at karaoke before. Yeah, and, and killed it, as I recall. Or maybe it was What a Fool Believes. We've definitely done that. Well, it doesn't matter. It's all yeah. good. Right, I've got one more legit question here from uh, a friend, Will. How do I get certified to label people as psychopaths without going to school for it? Um, I can make you a certificate out of construction paper and markers and stickers like I do. Um, I mean, technically you're not qualified, but just, you know, I, I definitely feel more qualified to label psychopaths after having read this book. So maybe yeah. read this book and I'll make you a paper certificate. Uh, didn't this dude do some TED Talks? You could watch one of those. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, do that. Or or whatever. Um, Just read the Wikipedia entry on Psychopath. Well, and Psychopath is not, like, didn't he, was, did he say it's, like, not even in the DSM? Yeah, it's still, like, a disputed sort of diagnosis. Right. Um, because, well, I think because he said, what does he say, like, for, for a diagnosis? For something to have a diagnosis, it needs to be a disease, and people haven't like specifically classed it in those right. terms now because you can't really nail down what exactly it is, what the symptoms look like in a lot right. of cases. And with and it and because of its comorbidity with so many different other psychological disorders, under other stuff right? It's like time. this person has schizophrenia or is bipolar or has borderline personality disorder yeah. or whatever, and they may very well have that, but they may also have these psychopathic tendencies and that their brains don't process shit the same way that um, other people's do. Um, but anyway, it, it, it was a lot more infuriating than I expected it to be, but it was also fascinating and, and I think he, it was revealing about him as a person who has a psychopathic brain but allegedly does not murder people. Um, and that one's a, you know, legit alleged. Well, I think I think it's an interesting sort of exercise in, like, unreliable narrator. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. psychopath writing about psychopathy. And, trying to, and I think that he's sincerely trying to be self-aware in parts, but also has this tendency to present his... It's very self-aggrandizing. Right. And that's his tendency. To me, that's just, it's just so far removed from... And I did, I took a psych, like some uh, psychopathic uh, personality quizzes online. You can't get the, um, the hair checklist online, I don't think. 
But there were some other ones I took, and I obviously I knew it wasn't a psychopath, but I'm like really, really not a psychopath. I don't want to try one of those. You're not a psychopath. Probably not, but I'm just curious what the checklist looks like or what the test looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy because, like, that's totally not my worldview. I think that I suck and um, feel like, feel guilty that I don't care about other people even more. Um, so, it's like opposite psychopath. Yeah, I'm not sure what that. Reverse, uh, re reverse psychopath. Reverse psychopath. Reverse psychopath. So we got, we got a reverse psychopath, a half gangrage today. <laughs> it's turns left and right. Uh, um, do, you, do you want to set people up for next time? Yes. Um, we chose a Nicholas Sparks novel. You looked at what? True Believer, bro. For reading. Okay, yes. So we're going to read True Believer by Nicholas Sparks. Neither of us has read any Nicholas Sparks. I've seen The Notebook. So I've I, seen I, A Walk to Remember. Okay. So I feel like we kind of have an idea of an what idea we're getting into. narrative form. But this one involves the supernatural, which is my jam and a half. Yep. So I'm pretty pumped. Uh, yep, if you'd like to read along. Also, if you'd like to get into contact with us, um, if you're James Fallon's attorney, please turn it off now because we would not like to speak with you. We don't have any money. You can't get anything from us. Um, you can email us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. We also have a website, uh, couplesbookclubcast.blog. Um, and of course, you can get us at SoundCloud on iTunes and now also at the uh, on Google Play and um, please you know rate rate us give us some ratings reviews are great subscribe um, let's put this shit on the charts ladies yeah. and gentlemen anything else we need to tell our, our listeners I don't think so I'm good okay um, we will talk to you again in a few weeks about the the Nicholas Sparks book. And in the meantime, don't be a psychopath. Yeah, that's not solid advice. Okay.